Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. And so today we launch into week one, uh, God with us, uh, which is about the presence of God. The presence of the Almighty God uh, with us here on earth. And we're going to delve deeper into um, a particular uh, verse that we'll be starting with every week, uh, which is from Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 23. Uh, And we're going to delve deeper into what it looks like, what it feels like, and what it means for us today. And here's the verse, Matthew 1, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child... She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's say everyone repeat after me together. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isn't that good? God is with us. And for those of us, um, for those who are followers of Jesus, uh, us here, it's easy to... uh, know and trust that God is with us when things are going really well. When we're on the mountaintop, uh, whenever you get really good news or uh, when you get a pay rise that you've been waiting for, uh, when your baby sleeps through the night for the first time, I've heard that's a very good day. Uh, When uh, you get that parking spot that you want in the car park because you're running late. It's easy to sense the presence of God when things are going really well. However, We all know, don't we, that it's more difficult to sense the presence of God, to trust that God is with us when you're in the valley. When you're in the valley. When you get bad news. When you're hurting. When you're feeling lonely. When you're worried. When you're feeling afraid. When you're battling that depression. When you're fighting against that addiction. When you're simply having a bad day. We all have them. It's not easy to remember and to trust that God is with us. And a valley is physically a place between two mountains, uh, two hills here is a valley. It's the the lowest part in between those two high points. And it's, it's often used as a place where we can describe a place that we are in that we are feeling low or when things aren't going so well, uh, And so we want to talk today, wanted to talk today about God with us in that place, in the valley. Uh, But I guess it's interesting that life, uh, sometimes life isn't just in the valley. So we we may have like different pockets of our lives where it's on the mountaintop, uh, where things are going well. But it's just those moments, isn't it, or that, that one area, that one pocket of our life that brings us down to that valley. So your marriage might be really uh, exciting and fun, and yet your child may be misbehaving at school. Or, uh, you know, Christmas is just around the corner, you're really excited, but when you think about the finance, it takes you down to the valley. Or your relationship with God feels really positive and healthy, but you actually might, you think you might lose your job. There's these different pockets of being on the mountaintop, And then there's maybe these one or two areas that bring us down to the valley. And therefore, the question begs to be asked then, where is God in those valleys? Is he there? Where is God in those valleys? Is he there? 
And when you look at scripture, valleys is something that comes off quite a lot, and they represent several things. So uh, you may see in scripture that there's a valley, uh, and there's a battle happening in it. Uh, And you may feel like you're in the middle of a battle in the middle of the valley. Valleys were often in scripture uh, seasons of uh, desperation. Who's feeling desperate right now for a breakthrough? Maybe you're in that sort of valley. Valleys were seasons of loneliness. Some of us here might be feeling unnoticed or unloved, and that can be a place of a valley. Uh, But what's interesting, though, is that a valley uh, was also a time of growth. Uh, We can enjoy God so much on the mountaintops, but actually, when we're in the valley, we grow to know him in a different way, or we know him more intimately. And so this morning, alongside Matthew 1, uh, verse 23, about God with us, that Christmas verse about Mary conceiving a child that will be called Emmanuel, we're going to be focusing on Psalm 84, which, interestingly enough, Tim read a bit of this morning. Uh, We haven't collaborated. God is good. He knows what he's doing, uh, which is very encouraging. So we're going to look at Psalm 84 and explore this further. And you know, the the book of Psalms uh, is, is basically a collection of songs Uh, and poems that are full of reflections, questions, heartaches, and celebrations. And David is the writer of them. And I'm praying today that this Psalm 84, we're going to focus more on the the later bit of the the, uh, Psalm, but I'm really praying that this will give us some real insight into how we can grow to know this God Almighty better. Uh, That is my prayer. So let's read it together, Psalm 84 from verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, longs, and even faints for the courts of the Lord. A song might have come to mind. We sing a song. Was it Matt Redman, I think, or Tim Hughes uh, wrote that song? How lovely is... Yeah, do it. It's a great song. Anyway, uh, so my soul yearns, longs, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also covers it with pools. And today, as I said, we're going to be focusing on mainly uh, verse 5 and 6 there. But first of all, what on earth is the valley of Baca? The Valley of Baca. And weirdly enough, the Valley of Baca was actually uh, most likely related to a tree, uh, a certain tree. Because this tree uh, would constantly ooze. Everyone say ooze. <laughs> what a funny word. Ooze. <laughs> this tree would ooze out sap. And it would look like it was weeping and constantly crying. Uh, And so this tree, uh, the Valley of Baca, uh, that is why David uses this imagery, the Valley of Baca. Uh, And in scripture, it's also referred to as the Valley of Tears, uh, the Valley of Weeping, and the Valley of Loss. And anytime you see or read of a valley in scripture, it's never good. 
Uh, valleys are always referred to in, uh, as a place that's dangerous. It, it would be very uh, unrealistic for you to think that you will go through the valley unharmed because it was very, very dangerous. There'd be thorns, there'd be wild animals, and people waiting uh, to jump out on you to rob you. It's not very nice. And uh, we'll come back to the Valley of Baca in just a moment. Uh, so for now, let's just focus on verse 5. The psalmist writes, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. In other words, blessed are those whose strength is found in God. Now, I know that some of you here aren't Christians. You're not followers of Jesus. You're exploring. And uh, as always, you're ridiculously welcome here. Uh, we love that you're here with us. Uh, but I can imagine for you, for those who don't know God intimately, there's probably been a time in your life where you've thought, I've had enough. I cannot do this. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I just don't have enough of what it takes. And the truth is, if you don't know God intimately, then what you have is all you have. What you have, what you own, who you are is, is all you have. But for those of us who are Christians in the room, we believe that there is more. That our strength isn't all that there is. Because God is the source of another bigger, greater strength. That's why David says, blessed are those whose strength is found in you. We believe when we get to the end of our bodily strength, that there's a heavenly strength, that there's a divine strength, a strength accessible to us that is from the living and powerful God. Now, a few weeks ago in our weekly staff meeting uh, on Wednesday mornings, you're always very welcome to come and join us. Uh, we love to pray together. Uh, but as part of that, uh, we take turns in leading it. And, uh, and Jo Ibbett was leading, actually, and she encouraged us to sit in silence for a moment. Not often you get a moment of silence in the office, uh, not always. So it was, it was really pleasant, and we really focused on God. And Jo asked us a question. Um, when you sit in that silence, uh, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? And I really felt, personally for me, I felt God was encouraging me to go, uh, to go and find something to do that isn't related to my job or to church or my family. Um, I've participated in different activities before. Um, I worked at McDonald's for a while and Tesco. Um, I've been part of musical theatre companies before. But um, three weeks ago, I didn't have anything. And so I really felt God encouraging me, go and find something, Hannah. I want you to participate in something alongside church uh, and Jordan and your family. I said, okay. Um, last Sunday, I played in uh, a team called Winchester Flyers, which is a ladies' football team. And I absolutely loved it. If you know anything about me, I love football. Here's my new boots. Beautiful. Um, and, uh, and so last Sunday, uh, after church, uh, Jordan and I went down to Winchester uh, to King George V's playing field. I put on the number 15 shirt, I put on my new boots, and I was on the team. Uh, I went to the the training on, on Wednesday night, the Wednesday before, they saw that I could kick a ball, and I was in. <laughs> so uh, there, there I was. And, uh, and at the beginning of the game last Sunday, he, uh, the coach said to me, Hannah, as it's your first game, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of ease you in. Uh, we won't play you for the whole game because you'll get really tired. I said, oh, thank you very much. That would be really lovely. And uh, it actually turned out that I played for 80 minutes of the 90-minute game. 
And I was exhausted. <laughs> I was absolutely shattered. Because, um, you know, you've got the pressure of doing well with this new team you're a part of. I hadn't met any of the girls uh, that were playing then. Um, I was uh, kind of trying to prove to the, the coach that he didn't make a mistake of put me on the team. So there was that pressure, so kind of running wherever I could. And in the second half, I was actually um, put on a man. I was man-marking, as they say, uh, of a person on the opposite team who was very, very good, which meant a lot of running and needed a lot of strength. And, uh, and kind of 15 minutes towards the end, I just remember this distinct moment oh man, I can't do this. This is nuts, absolutely mad. And, uh, and I was exhausted, my legs, my hamstring was tired. I just, I was so, so tired. But the, th the thing about strength is, there is only so much of it that you have. And it, that, it kind of dawned on me, like, yeah, there is a moment where I need to stop because I can't go on anymore. Um, we were kind of struggling to win and to get that last goal to make it 6-all. Unfortunately, we didn't. We lost 6-5. Uh, it was a very close game. Uh, but we're playing this afternoon, so we're hoping we're going to win, uh, which is good. Different team, different ball game. Um, let's do it. Um, but the truth is about strength. There is only so much that we have. There is only so much our bodies and our minds can take. However, the good news is that there is a strength greater. Do you believe that? There is. There is a strength greater that is beyond ourselves, beyond our understanding. I, I don't know if you've had a moment before where you're, I just, I have no idea how I did that. You ever feel like that sometimes? And that must have been God's strength, that divine, that heavenly strength. We have a greater strength beyond our own. And so if you're in the middle of a valley right now and that strength is at a low point, be encouraged today that there is a strength accessible to you that is greater than our own. Isn't that encouraging? There is a strength greater, greater than our understanding, greater beyond our comprehension. There is a strength deeper and greater than our own. And so that's why David says, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. You know, the text didn't say, blessed are those who make it on their own. Blessed are those who are really determined. It doesn't say that. And don't you find that in this world, we've kind of idolized independence? Do you find that? We've idolized independence. We, we make it like a trophy. I can do it on my own. You know, and we say, well, I don't need others. I can do this by myself. I can be financially independent. I don't want to need anyone, actually, because that's a bit dangerous. And we've kind of made this dependence thing a problem and, and something that we don't want to strive for. But the reality is, the truth is, we were actually created to depend. Did you know that? We weren't, we weren't created for independence. That wasn't even a thing at the beginning of time. We were created as, as the image, in the image of God, to depend on him and to depend on others. Blessed are we when we realize that we can't do it alone. And maybe some of us need to really lean into that uh, today and in this season of Christmas. We really need to lean into the fact, yeah, I can't do this 
by my own strength. I can't do this by myself. And it might be that we need to say it out loud. God, I can't do this. I need you. And saying it out loud can be really powerful sometimes. And so um, let's continue then on verse 5. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who set their mind on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. What does that mean? Pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Well, a pilgrimage, as many of you will know, is um, a journey or uh, a kind of search uh, to a place, to find some place or to find some thing. And David uses this image, image to encourage us. He uses it, uh, you know, to encourage us that we may be in the valley right now, but we're going to another place, right? We're going to this place called Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was known as a place of peace. It was a, a place of refuge. One commentary said this, to get to the city of refuge, Jerusalem, you had to travel through the Valley of Tears. Now, how many of you know, I'm sure there's many of you, that you know, you know that sometimes to get where you really appreciate the presence and the power of God, you have to push through the pain. You have to. To experience the fullness of God, sometimes it takes that pushing through the valley. And for so many, the valley is actually the pathway. It's the way through to get to the place of peace. And we're pushing through the valley on this pilgrimage, on this journey through, as we're heading to a place better than where we've come from. And furthermore, the psalmist expands what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who've set their minds on the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, who've set their minds. Do you know that what you think about really matters? Your thoughts matter so much. What you think about really makes a difference, really matters. Uh, when I was younger, I had a season um, that I kind of journeyed through that I was really afraid of my room, uh, my bedroom. Ah, so real now. Um, yeah, a real fear of the, the darkness that surrounded your bedroom when you went to bed. I'm sure many of you have been there as well. And, uh, and I had a real fear of that. And, uh, and you know, I'd, I'd lay in my bed with, the, obviously, the lights off. And I, I was determined not to have a light on. Um, so I'd kind of turn that off. It, it was dark. And I was laying in my bed trying to sleep. And I got into the habit of um, not closing my eyes. Because if I didn't close my eyes, um, then I wouldn't have uh, control over what I could see. Um, sometimes it's the opposite way around. I can't open my eyes. But for me, it was the other way around. I, I couldn't close my eyes because then I wouldn't have control of what I could see. And, uh, and one night, it, it, I kind of reached this point where um, I was kind of learning of how to uh, hear God's voice. And, uh, and I really felt God um, tell me to do something, uh, which is just utterly crazy for someone who's afraid of the dark. Um, he told me to go and stand in the middle of my room in the dark. And for someone who's afraid of the dark, that is the one place where you do not want to be, where there's no shelter, there's no duvet to hide under. And, and I stood in the middle of my dark room. And, uh, and I did this night after night uh, until I was afraid no more. Because that, uh, it kind of 
helped me realize uh, the, the value of our thoughts. Because when I was in my bed trying to sleep and I was thinking, what if there's something there? You know, as you do, uh, what is, you know, what, what is theirs? Is there anything? Is there something? Is it scary? Is it what? And my thoughts would, would take over and cripple me to then going to sleep. And so our thoughts matter. They're powerful. And it takes action sometimes to push through those, to ignore the fear and the anxiety, and to go, God, you are bigger, you are greater. And thankfully, I'm no longer afraid of the dark. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But our thoughts matter. And Paul in the New Testament talked to the churches about this uh, a lot. Actually, you can find it a lot where he th- when he talks about our thoughts. He says to the Colossian church in Colossians, set your mind on the things above, not on the things below. It's our thoughts. Think about the things above. And he says to the Philippian church, if anything is excellent, praiseworthy, admirable, or lovely, think about these things. Think about such things. And so that's why the psalmist says, what joy comes from uh, when your strength is, is in the Lord, who have set their minds on, the, on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Where you are is one thing, isn't it? But where your thoughts are is different. And I'm sure we've, had, we've all had that experience. We may be one place, but our thoughts are somewhere else. It's taken us to another place. So then the question is then, what or who is your mind set on? Who or what, what or who, is your mind set on? Is it set on fear? Is it set on uh, that anxiety that you may have? Is it set on the worry? Or is it set on God? And did you know that you might be, you know, you might currently be situated in the valley, but you can still have your mind set on God? You can be going through some real tragedies, at the same time as having your mind set on God. That is possible, I promise you. When you're in the valley, you can still have your mind set on God. Your heart might be racing, but your mind can still be set on God. Your fear may be very real and very close, but your mind can still be set on God. Your soul may be aching and hurting, but your mind can still be set on God. Your emotions may be racing, There may be too much to do. There might be pressures from the in-laws. You may be wondering how you're going to pay for Christmas. There may be real tragedies in the valleys. But your mind can still be set on the goodness of God. And why or how? Because God is with us. God is with us. He's beside us. He's for us. He's greater than the one in the world. His spirit gives us that strength when we can feel like there isn't any. His words are a lamp into our feet. The light is a light to our path. And so I may be in the valley, but my mind can still be set on heavenly things. I may be traveling through this tragedy, but I can still have a heavenly perspective. I love that. I love the the idea of having a heavenly perspective perspective. Have you ever wondered what heaven is like? I have no idea what it's like, but I can imagine it is a good place, a really good place. Heaven is where God is. 
It's where he dwells. It's his home in which we are going to be one day, thank the Lord. I'm so excited for that day we see Jesus face to face in heaven. And so when we say set our minds on God, it's having that heavenly perspective. Heavenly perspective. And when we're in the valley, when things are are not going so well, we can still have that heavenly perspective. And you may have already picked up that David continues even further and says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, there it is, the tree that we talked about earlier. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. In other words, we're just passing through. We're just passing through. A valley is not somewhere you stay forever. It is somewhere we pass through. What are we doing? Just passing through. I'm just passing through. It's really hard, (laughs) but I'm just passing through. Things are really difficult, but it's okay. We're just passing through. It's really, really, really tough, but we're just passing through. Because we talked about earlier, didn't we, that pilgrimage to Jerusalem. There is another place where we are going. When you pass through the valley, there is a place in which we are going. We may be in the valley right now, but it's not my home. The valley isn't the destination, praise the Lord. It's not where we end up. We're just passing through. And David um, talks about in another psalm, Psalm 23, many of you will know it well. He says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God is with us. I may be in a difficult time, but God will get me through. Do you believe that? It takes some guts. (laughs) I believe that when you're in the valley... You're just passing through. And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you, you just want out, don't you? You just want it to go away. You just want that bank to give us some free money. Anyone else have that desire? You just want this thing to end. You just want this person to be well again. You just want this sickness to leave. But we're just passing through. It's not the destination. It's not our home. And we don't belong there. We belong in our Father's house, which we've been singing about this morning. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. And David continues even further. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. And the King James Version says it, they they make a well. They make it a place of springs. So they're on their way through to this pilgrimage of Jerusalem. It's not the destination. We're We're just passing through. But on the way, they make wells. They're springs. They are watered. The valley is a dangerous place, but in a dry place, what do you do? You dig a well. And so even though we're in the valley, we're passing through, they are watered. Those who have their strength from God. And we're privileged in this country, aren't we, that we don't use wells Could you imagine if we had to go to the well in the morning to grab our water with a bucket and a rope? Uh, But we don't have to do that. We're so privileged in this country not to have to do that. And so I wouldn't be surprised if many of us in here haven't actually seen a well, like a working well, because we don't need them. 
And uh, just before I started my time here at Freedom Church, I worked for Compassion, which is a child sponsorship program. Many of you sponsor children, I know, through Compassion. And uh, as I worked for them, I was blessed, so blessed to visit Uganda with them to see the work that they do out there. And this is where I saw a well. And here is me using one. There I am. Uh, this is a well. Um, but it's not a bucket and a rope sort of well. This is a pump system, uh, which Compassion installed with the help of the guys there uh, and for the children. And as you can imagine, wells in places like that, that don't have water systems like we do and a tap that we can just turn on, it's amazing. It's life-changing. And when you see those faces, that when this, these wells are introduced, introduced and installed, they just, this is life-changing. This is absolutely life-changing. We don't have to walk, uh, you know, miles and miles to get our water for the morning. It's just around the corner now. And so these, these wells, these uh, pumps that are put in, is life-changing for those that are there. And we're able to dig wells like this because how they work is, I will have to read my notes for this because I have no idea how wells work, but what how it does work is this. Uh, clean water can be found under the surface, under our feet, in underground layers. Everyone say layers. <laughs> layers. Uh, so underground our feet in, in layers, I believe. Uh, so in underground layers. And these layers are continually refilled. How that happens, I have no idea. But they're con consistently refilled by the rain that comes down and by other bits of water in the earth. <laughs> Great. I'm glad about that. Um, so, uh, but these wells are able to exist because the rocks and the sand actually create, bizarrely enough, um, a purification system where it cleans the water, therefore it's clean. Who knew there was clean water in the ground? <laughs> Not me. Uh, I didn't listen to science. But there are wells and that's how they work. And so when you dig deep enough, you get to those layers where the clean water lives. And, uh, and like, you know, if you didn't have the ability to dig that deep, even so, you'd probably dig uh, a hole that the rain could fall in, like a container-type sort of place where the water can sit, and therefore you can drink the water. But this got me thinking about the valley. If it's a dangerous and dry place, what do you do? You dig a well. You dig it deep enough so you get to the layers of the water. I believe it's got to be really deep. There we go. Uh, but you dig deep enough to get to those layers where the clean water is, where it's been purified by the sand and the rocks and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and, and so you dig. You dig deep. And so when you're in a dry place in the valley, what are we to do? Dig deep. Dig that well. Dig that well. Make that room, that container. For when the rain comes, it can then. Because when you dig the well, there's no water. When you, when you dig that hole to collect water, there's no water yet. So you're digging it in trust, aren't you? Well, the rain hasn't come yet. And so you're digging deep and you're, you're trying to create this container type thing to collect the water that you believe is coming. And so when we're in the valley, it's like God is saying, if you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I'll fill it. If you dig it, I will fill it. If you provide a place for me to be, I'll fill it. If you prepare for me to come, 
what will he do? He'll come. And so when we're in the valley and when we're in that dry place, what do we do? We dig a well or we create that container ready for the rain. And the rain hasn't come yet. God hasn't come yet. He may not have turned up and and given you uh, that provision that you need. He may not have rescued you yet. But it's like he's saying, you dig it, I'll fill it. You dig it, I'll provide for you. You show me your faith, I will be faithful. And that's a promise of his. And our God isn't a promise breaker God. Do you believe that? He is not a promise breaker God. And Jesus did this in the New Testament read uh, of a man with a withered hand. And instead of Jesus just going, boom, healed, because he could do that, he said, stretch out your hand. And so the man stretches out his hand, and then he heals it. So, okay, you stretch out your hand, but what? what? No, stretch out your hand, and I'll heal it. And there's another guy who hasn't walked for 38 years. And what does he say to him? Get up. Stand up. Stand up. Well, hold on a minute. I haven't walked for 38 years. I'm not going to stand up. You're, You're crazy. Get up and walk. Stand up. Grab your mat and walk. And what does he do? He gets up and Jesus heals the man. And so sometimes when we're in the valley, God's going, well, I want you to show me that you have faith in me and then I'll be faithful. You dig the well, even though it's not raining, but I'll fill it. You dig it, I'll fill it. If you pray for it, I will hear you. If you plant it, I'll grow it. If you dig it, if you prepare, our God will reveal himself. If I don't believe that, then I'm in a lot of trouble. So I'm going to choose to believe it. I will. I'm choosing to believe that to be true. That if I dig it, he will fill it. And so what we're going to do now um, as we finish, um, I've invited Beth and uh, David to come and sing over us and to play over us. And it's a song that um, is really significant to this teaching series, um, hence the name. It's called Emmanuel, God with us forever. And, uh, and, and like we did a few weeks ago where Jim sung over us, what I'd love for us to do is allow them to play and to sing and let the words soak into our, our, our deepest core um, of, of who God is. Because, you know, in the valley... We've got to trust, we've got to believe that it is true that God is with us. And as they sing this, I'll jump back up afterwards uh, and we'll continue our time. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.